you got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, their to industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. Electric People, we are back with another episode, and today we have a legend of direct sales. Mr. Nick Hansen is with us. What's up, Nick? How you guys doing? Good, man. Good, dude. Thanks for joining us, man. We're getting used to this digital format. The world's traveling a little less right now, so just a couple dudes hanging out digitally shoulder to shoulder. I like it. <clears throat> yeah, well, thanks, man. I think we have a lot to learn from you. I Both Adam and I have worked closely with you over the years, so hopefully we can open up your skull and share some of the, the Nick-isms with the rest of the world. But um, So for you guys that don't know Nick, hopefully I get this timeline right, Nick, but you have more experience in direct sales than I think most people realize from different companies you've worked at, from different positions you've held, from different dynamics, from different seasons in the marketplace, uh, from different industries. It's really pretty exciting. So you started um, in 2004 at Atlas, which was a, a dish provider. And we're a regional manager there. Uh, joined Vivint Inc. three years later as a sales manager. And that was after Atlas kind of blew up. Uh, mm-hmm. you came over to Vivint Solar seven years after that in 2014. You've been a salesperson, a manager, a director, a VP of sales. From there, went and started um, an endeavor with Vivint Inc. to start their solar dealer. And we're a VP of sales there. And now are back at Vivint Solar working with our west coast sales teams in the southwest market so nick what is that that's quite the that's quite the trip around the block man uh Mm -hmm. what's what's life like for you right now on top of that we're just getting out of quarantine all of our teams are back selling what's life like for you right now and what's most of your time spent doing um well life is it's been it's changed it's changed quite a bit and it's really great to kind of get back to a little bit of normal uh like normal life um and uh, it's just been a kind of survival. I think everyone's kind of like figuring out what, what's going to happen with the world and um, how do I come out on top? How do I show everyone what's possible and, and how can I figure out how to, to survive? I think that's, that's what happens. It's kind of interesting as uh, you kind of go through life. Is there specific times in your life where you, it's peacetime, it's easy and and everyone, every, like the results start to come pretty, pretty easy. And there's other times where it's just really hard. It's like you're in, you're, it's game time, it's war time. And I feel like we've just kind of are, have come, gone through that, especially at Vivint Solar, the, the leaders have been tremendous. And um, we've, I've just been kind of like going back into the trenches, but I personally, I'm in my knocking gear cause I'm about to go out and knock doors. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I think um, I've actually really appreciated that. Like when things are crazy, this group has a real way of like simplifying, stripping all the stuff, all like the non-essential stuff out and just going and doing impactful work. And one of the things I appreciate you, Nick, uh, with you is um, you're always quick to adopt the right perspective. Now, I warned you, I was going to hit you with a heavy question right at the beginning. You guys all should have seen it. I told him first question is going to be a heavy one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, it's something that I've always wanted to ask you and just never have. Um but I think you can speak with good perspective. You have very few panic moments uh, in leadership. Maybe you got all those out. Uh, maybe all those are in your past. But the title of this question is when leaders switch places. That's right. I titled the question. So um, at Atlas, you were a regional manager. 
right? And then uh, you then came over to Vivint and you were a manager. And some of the people that you used to manage were in a spot above you on the org chart, right? Then uh, you left Vivint Inc. and came into Vivint Solar and you came into a program under Jeremy Long who you were over at Atlas before. And now, you know, you were running the show at Vivint Plus's dealer and now you came back in and technically it would be me above you in the org chart. You, you do this masterfully. Uh, there's so many people that their ego just doesn't let them be super productive, but I'm really interested in your mindset and how have you been able to navigate switching places and what advice do you have to people that might be struggling with that? Well, I think it's, it's partially the re realization that choices have consequences and they may not be within your control and how you respond to the world around you is going to give you power or take power away from you. It's pretty simple. And so as you respond, you're either going to, to gain more influence of your life or less. And I think one of the things I've, I've, I've realized over the last probably year and a half um, is that business, this might sound a little bit like faith, like, like religion, but it's not. It's like, it's truly like without the ability to be humble and that without the ability to like forgive, and get over yourself, you can't grow realistically and businesses won't grow without, without like, without like forgiveness and stuff. And like, not that anything's wrong or anything. It's just, it's just like being able to be the guy that's leading and then being able to step down and work for the same person. I think that truly indicates someone that, that is comfortable with who they are and is authentic to themselves. And I think that's just, um, I've tried to do that over, over and over. Um, I'm not perfect at it. I mean, it may come across as just easy or whatever, but it's not, it's not easy. You have to have like a lot of trying times and a lot of like introspective moments in my life where I'm really pondering and thinking through the situation and thinking about how my reaction will cause consequences down the road. And I think it's like asking yourself good questions in those moments that either allow you to, um, they allow you space. If you take a time to ask yourself questions in the moments where you have like a, like a, a problem and a, the ability to respond, if you ask yourself a lot of questions, it gives you time and you'll respond better than if you just respond out of emotion. And I think a lot of people really struggle with that. And it's something I sometimes struggle with myself. Nick, uh, one, I miss working with you out on the East coast, man. It's uh, definitely not the same without you. You are uh, a true East Coaster at heart, I believe. So, um, yep. you know, Ty, I look at this Ty as we're we're loaning you Nick for a little bit, and uh, he'll be back. <laughs> he'll be back on the East Coast at some point. So, <laughs> I need to go uh, ask myself a couple he's, questions about how to respond. To I that. get it. He's no. bought a he's <laughs> bought a house. He's doing all kinds of things. No, he's going to be back <laughs> on the East Coast at some point. So, um, no, but we do miss you, man. Um, I would say Nick's probably one of the most influential people I've worked with personally. And um, I I think you're one of the best trainers uh, we have in the company. And it's just obvious that you put a lot of time and effort into preparing really well, you know, just prepared trainings. And I wanted to kind of touch on this We've got a lot of young leaders in the company. We have 
uh, you know, what, 150 district managers in the company, um, you know, dozen plus directors. If you had a word of advice to give to them or anyone who's being asked to give trainings, whether that's in meetings, on conference calls, um, what advice would you have to give them when it comes to just your preparation, the meaning behind it? And I just know that's something that you take a lot of pride in. And so I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, thanks. Uh, first off, I, I miss working with you too, Adam. It's been, it's been, uh, it's been a while and um, have tons of fond memories working with you. Um, it's a really good question. I think, I think starting with, with your training is the more you know your material that you're going to train on, the less you have to say with higher impact. Because it's like who you are. Um, and I think a lot of times um, you need to read, you know, readings is, is really important. That's something that I've, I've really tried to continuously improve. But I think sometimes we go through life and all the arrows are pointed towards us where it's like, woe is me, the world's after me, it's taking away, it's really hard. And it's how do you, I think in preparation, this might be a, kind of more in depth, but um, it's how do you have the chaos around you and be able to extract the value from the hard parts of your life, the crucibles that you're going through. And then how can you learn from that to point your arrows at other people to lift them up? So you're not just going through life and struggling. You're saying life is teaching me something that I need to learn that in turn uniquely qualifies me as a human to possibly help someone else in the same struggles. I mean, you each have struggles in your life that you've dealt with or going through currently that uniquely qualifies you to help someone out there. And I think it's just how do you go through? I think that's one of the things that, that happens if you're training correctly. It's because you're, you're seeing your life through a lens of leadership and you're trying to, and trying to impact other people's lives. I'm not just doing, going through life for myself. When you become a leader, or a trainer, you are no longer just leading for yourself, like living life. You are actually, if you do it correctly, are trying to extract the value out of every moment to have a learning experience that you could possibly share to help someone else and impact their life. And so it's knowing that it's being authentic to who you are, extracting and where you've come from and extracting that, that value from your life. And then uniquely crafting that to help someone else to lift them up that might be struggling. I think that's really, really important. I think the next piece is just knowing your, your, uh, your audience. It's crazy sometimes when people put together trainings and it's just like, it's to the wrong, they're just presenting to the wrong person. And I think if you really sit down and say, who, who am I trying to impact and put yourself in their shoes of what they need in their life, that will help you to train them in a way that will truly touch them and move them. So those are maybe some little things and you have to take time. I mean, some of the best coaches in the world, Mike Krzyzewski, John Wooden, do you think they just show up to practice and say, here's, here's practice? No way. That thing is written in pencil before and they know exactly what they're going to do before. And I think sometimes guys figure, find, they feel like I have so much talent. I'm so good. I can sell. 
and they forget that you can't skip that step in the preparation piece um, for correlations or for your time to like actually create create a training. So I think those are some 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 parts that will help. It's interesting because I get asked all the time from you know guys that are a little maybe overzealous, like, hey, I want to train. Um, I want to train on the the East Coast conference calls, or I want to train on my team, you know, correlation meetings or whatever. And my first message is always sweet. Um, that's really exciting that you want to train. Let me look at your numbers, what you've done the past couple of weeks. And I always kind of start there. And then once seeing their numbers, and I can say, Hey, I'd love to have you train, man. But like, I need you coming into this, coming into the training, like hot. Like you need to be the number one rep on your team for the next three weeks. Like you need to be the top rep on the East coast for a couple of weeks before we can have you train because it'll give you a lot more credibility. Right. But then the next part of it is once they finally get that opportunity to train, I'm always sort of surprised at how little preparation or how, um, you know, just, just unorganized the trainings can be sometimes, but, um, it really is an opportunity to kind of set yourself apart. And I think that's something that you have done over the years is, you know, it's like, I, I see a lot of guys, it's almost like they're, they're like rising equally through the ranks. And then when they're given opportunities to train, those moments can kind of catapult them, you know, further along in the process or whatever. But, um, and I feel like you, you know, you're a perfect example of someone who just every time you've been given that opportunity to train, you've just crushed it and it's allowed you to really gain influence and, and, uh, you know, take advantage of those opportunities. But, um, I know you're a big reader. It seems like every time you do train, you always reference several books. Um, how much has reading impacted your career and why is it so important to you? Yeah. I mean, reading is, is learning continuously learning is one of the most important things that i i do in my day um it's just because that's why i feel i'm here on the earth is to learn and to grow and i think a lot of people don't take advantage of it so um i think early on it was interesting when i started to start to read books i i started to i liked sales books they were good but it was interesting the first time I picked up 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. It's like the staple of most people's um, leadership experience. Yeah, that's the leadership Bible. Yeah. I remember the feeling I had when I was reading that book. Not weird or anything, but just that my mind was into it. And I couldn't get enough of it. And I've so I've really focused my my career on that piece of um, my learning experience. I, I read a lot into leadership, self, self-development and just trying to level myself up because I don't, I feel like the, the, the more, if I stop growing, I, I limit the people that I work around and I want my, the people that I work around where I work for to have the ability to be whatever they want. And so that means I need to continuously become becoming better myself um, because I'm as a, as a leader, you're the limiting factor in a lot of ways. So I think it's really important. I think another piece is you're kind of talking about just be, being able to train. I think if you're living, if you're, if you're working and you're working in a way that's impressive enough, people will ask you 
to 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 teach them and i think that that's one of the things that maybe you know has has helped me is i've just really tried to not that there's so many people out there that are way better than me um and i'm just trying to be the best i can but i think just trying to be just trying to be impressive that people will ask you to start helping them whether it's in work or different parts of your life everyone's genius in specific areas i think that's interesting man i I had one thought about your training um you know when you said it's kind of like service-based right you mentioned what do these people need i think a lot of people do it the other way it's the reason that like I've, i've often struggled to like you know sometimes i'm like man i've been doing this job for 17 years i should never have to come up with another training again i should just have a massive like encyclopedia of trainings and at any time anybody wants a training i can just draw from it but you always find yourself prepping and spending hours and delivering something. And you're the first person that's actually made me stop and think you can't, it's not the same. You got to think about your audience, right? You're training the wrong person. That's what you said, right? So if you have a really good training on leading from the front and then you're visiting a bunch of people that already lead from the front, it's like, man, that, I think that's what really makes people impactful. Um, but is that the reason that, I mean, you got your executive MBA from, from Harvard. Uh, when I look at, your industry you're in an industry that some may say doesn't value uh, traditional education you you didn't get paid more money for doing that executive mba in fact you probably had to work twice as hard to make the same because you were doing schoolwork and you're 100 commission so walk me through the mindset of maybe why you did that and what you gained from it like how did it fulfill your purpose for yourself it's something that i've had just these premonitions of like dude i, I want to go do that continuous education is important to me and um introspectively like looking at myself i realized really quickly as a sales leader and a salesman that i had holes in the way that i saw the world around me in business what do you mean by that there, there's different lenses where we see the world right and as salesmen, we see it through the business owes me and I sell and they should pay me the max dollar and everything. And I realized as I was, um, so I was starting a business um, at the time I was doing all of this. So it was just the craziest time of my life. But one of the reasons is because I wanted to be able to, I knew I had holes, gaps, finance, accounting, um, different areas that I wanted to understand better like economics, other areas that could help me to maybe see and communicate effectively with other people within a tr- like a publicly traded company so that I could be more impactful and help um, the people around me that I work for, which are all the sales reps and sales, sales leaders, and then to be, um, be more well-rounded. I think sometimes we see it from um, what, what I realized from my, myself, my, my own perspective is I was always fighting just for reps and only what they wanted at any cost. And I realized, um, that as I started to run a, the actual business, that it's very, very important that if you want to level up, you have to be able to see the business with different lenses and put on different hats. And so that's why I ultimately went and did that program is just because I wanted to become better first off. That's the most important learning obviously is really important to me. And um, I wanted to ultimately raise that lid that I was talking about. And I didn't think there's probably any better place than to do it through an organization in which I went, you know, went to school. Yeah. Harvard. That's a pretty, that's a pretty high mark. 
So <laughs> I think, uh, you know, you, you hit on something really important though, because I, I had the thought when you were speaking that when I first got into sales leadership, I thought like as a salesman, you're totally right. It's how can I do as much volume as possible and, you know, make sure that I'm compensated the right way. Um, and so I honestly thought when I first started leading other salespeople that my job was to represent the, uh, like the field to corporate. I thought my job was to fight for the guys. I actually thought that that was, you have me, I'll go to corporate, I'll get stuff done for you, right? Now I've learned like from what you've said and you articulated it really well, my job is to grow the business, right? And if you just fight for the guys no matter what without helping them understand the holes that maybe they, they, they aren't seeing, we're actually not serving them long-term. Um, one of the things maybe to kind of juxtapose the question is um, this idea of being all in. So you, you actually give a training on all in, it's origin, it's thought, but you have, a, you have an, a unique ability to one, attract people that are all in, and number two, um, how, to, how to be whatever the business kind of needs you to be in the moment. Maybe talk about your, your, this concept of all in and what it, what it means to you. So being all in to me is being wherever you are. Just be there, be in the moment, and um, realize that that's what you control is that moment. Everything else will become history, and the future will become the future based off of what I'm doing right now. And um, and I think it's just really important to me. Being all in means that in in our industry, it's just all in with my peers, so they know that I'm I'm locked arms with them, and that I'm going forward. Um, to my wife, it means that I'm just there for in any, any moment that she needs me, um, to my girls, if they need dad, that he's there. Um, and so it's just being able to not look around and think everything is, is better outside and just realizing that, yeah, it's suck. It sucks sometimes where you're at and the situations you're put in, but it's just realizing that if I'm here and I'm working on it and I'm focused that the result will eventually come that I'm wanting because I will will myself to that, that, uh, result. Nick, you, so I hear you doing all the, you know, the Harvard business school and all these other things Yet you're in your knocking clothes, ready to go knock doors today. And, um, I think we have a lot of, you know, the life of a door to door salesman can, I think everyone agrees it's like it's not hard to do physically, right? Like it's not this physically challenging job to do. I mean, there's hot summer days and whatever else, but mentally it's hard. And I think especially for people that are highly educated, I think door-to-door sales can be something that um, is just hard for people with a high level of education to almost like humble themselves into. But I know you really believe strongly in the lead from the front mentality and um, I know that that's why you're out ready to go knock right now, because you know that that's currently what is required and what's needed from you as a leader. Right. And I've, I've heard you say it before, um, paraphrasing, you know, a leader's job isn't to do what you want to do. It's to do what is necessary and what needs to be done right now. So why do you, why do you feel like leading from the front, you know, given all your education, given everything, you know, given all the position, current position, why is the most important thing you could be doing right now once this podcast ends? Go out and knock doors. So right now, it, it makes me kind of emotional, actually. 
because right now um, everyone's struggling. Like everyone's struggling out there. Um, the main reason I do it, I, 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 I want to lead from the front right in this moment at the highest capacity I possibly can is because ultimately it's not, it's actually not for anyone, but my girls. It's, I want them to realize that their dad fought in the moment and that he would do anything he could to make sure that he set the right example and that he did it the right way. I want, um, I, I want them to know that, that, um, that their dad didn't care what, like it does. The method doesn't matter how you make money. Like it doesn't matter whatever it is, but it's just, um, going out. The second piece is for the people that I work for the sales reps, the, the DMS. I love them dearly and I want, I like truly care. And so the, the thing is, I just want to go out and do it. And frankly, no one has really known what, um, is going to happen with the economy. And so I want to make sure that I provide. And, and so I go, I'm going out and working as, as hard as I possibly can. So it's, it's that I think if leadership is influence and you gain influence through selling, that means that selling truly is influence, which is selling is leadership. And you can't get past that. And um, I've been in positions over the past couple of years where I've kind of actually gotten away from that. I've gotten to a point where I was just leading the organization, right? And I wasn't selling. And I will tell you that if you are in the situation where you feel these types of things, like if you're feeling anxiety because you're just not sure if you have the influence necessary in your organization, if you feel like you um, aren't really taking advantage of the opportunity fully, that you're kind of lost and you feel like you're maybe wasting time, I think that, that there's a lot of organizations out there outside of Vivint Solar that I've seen and work I know I've worked with is that I lived in that space of anxiety because I wasn't really truly I didn't feel like I had a sense of control. And that's what selling gives me. It gives me a sense of control and that truly gives me joy. And ultimately everything else falls into place. The problem out there is most companies they skip that step and they have people leading the company that do not do that and they get away and they're okay with it. And that's the difference. That's the, that's the difference maker because you have to have, you have to go back to humility. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes possible to gain influence, to help other people. And if you're, if you are humble enough, then you'll, you'll just do whatever it takes to help your people. And you don't care what kind of that purchase you think that purchase on you. Ultimately, I mean, at the beginning of my career, I think my, my, my mother-in-law thought I was crazy because I was selling door-to-door after graduating from college. She's like, they're like, what in the world? You moved eight, eight hours away, took our daughter, and you sell door-to-door? You were, you know, it's kind of like a feeling of, you're a loser. My father-in-law was a, was a <laughs> VP of, uh, of a big tech company. So imagine how I felt in that situation. But I think if you would ask her today and him today what they think about the process, I promise you that they're not going to think that the process was a bad decision. It may not have been the easy decision and it may not have been the decision that a lot most 99% of the population would, would have taken. But I'll tell you what, I've done things that other people have only dreamed of 
and, you know, been able to put myself through school on my own dime and um, have opportunities because I'm willing to do what others won't. And that's what I love about it. It's just like, almost like, I know that, I know that most people won't do it, but that gives us a competitive advantage. If you think about it. Talk to us about this concept of leading from the front and why, why does it create so much influence, especially in our industry? Um, Because it's really, really important to be able to see at the ground level, what's going on like at the ant level an ant sees the ground the piece of crumb that he's trying to carry that's all he sees you see a horse a little bit higher you see someone on a skyscraper that can see over central park and see what it looks like then you look from space and you can see the world at a different level you could see a hurricane and actually see organization within that hurricane and see that there's purpose so the purpose of leading from the front if you're a leader And if you are working for someone that isn't doing it, it's hard because they can't come down to that level. They just can't do it. They're not permitted because they don't know what even the ant knows. And so it not, I'm not saying people are (laughs) your reps or ants. I'm just saying, just trying to give you the perspective. So why I think it's important of leading from the front is because the people that I work for, um, they know that I know what they're going through. And I maybe have had experiences on the path that they haven't already. And so when changes happen in the environment, I'm able to help guide them on a path I've already walked. Where sometimes in this, in this industry, you have the blind leading the blind. And that's the difference that, make, that you want to follow someone that's walked that path. And so if I can go do it and show you it's possible, especially right now, like when we got on the, when COVID started happening, Everyone's like, what in the world are we going to do? Like num- numbers were, were tough. It was hard. But then we, we figured out how to do our, our calls and daily dials. And um, when they started, to, I jumped on a call with Nevada on a squad call. And I just started calling off of doors in a market I've never sold in. And second door, I, second person I called, I sold them. And the gift that was given, I hope, at that moment was that not for me, it was for them that, guys, it's okay. This is possible. You can do it. And this is how you do it. It's actually showing people a, a path and lighting the way and showing them the next step that they don't even know is, is, is there. I think that that's the key in leading from the front is you just have the people will give you the permission to show them the way and they'll actually follow behind you. Yeah. I think, I think you gave them belief, right? I mean, we've said it multiple times that leadership works better in these times. Like the, the things that we know how to do, they actually work better because whenever there's uncertainty, people naturally start looking for who's the leader. That's the confidence I need. I'm going to, I actually heard Bywater say it um, uh, in one of our very early kind of like, how long are we going to be in this type calls? You know, you got the whole company on and he said, Hey, if, if you need someone to lean on, you can lean on me because I know we're going to get through it. And that was like, I, I just remember hearing that. I'm like, that's how you do it. You know, that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, the other so thing tied just to, if I could put a final thought on the lead from the front thing too, I think in our industry specifically, it's just, it's a really hard job. Right. And it's like, it's not like coaching a football team where like people look at, 
uh, Bill Belichick and be like, well, why doesn't he lead from the front? Well, he's not 6'4 and weighs 240 pounds and he can't shed a 320 pound. They should have a coach's like, game. Like, like, like that's why, right? So it's like there's there's industries that leading from the front just isn't as applicable um, and where you really can just lead with your mind, right? And, and a, a football coach might be one of those things. Um, but then you also hear about like players, coaches, a guy like, and I know a tie, this tie is just like about to tune out here, but uh, like Mike Vrabel for the Tennessee Titans, former NFL linebacker. He's like a player's coach where all the players respect him because they watched him play and he's a Hall of Fame player, right? So I look at our job as almost like we're the players' coaches where they've all seen us play. They've all seen us have these really successful sales careers. But the problem is in a job like door-to-door sales, the, the market and, and everything evolves so quickly you have to constantly be on the front line sharpening your skills. Otherwise, you just become less relevant over time, right? So um, I think there's a lot of companies out there that just don't get that. And they have guys leading sales teams that haven't knocked the door in a decade or two decades. And, you know, their trainings are just, they all become principle-based trainings. They can't train on concept or they can't train on applicable trainings anymore, right? Or practical application anymore. So, um, so anyway, I just, I love the fact that Vivint Solar just like, when you think Vivint Solar, you think lead from the front. And, um, I just really want our people and our leaders to understand why it's so important to the culture of the company. Yeah. That's one of the things I love most. It's, it's, it's seriously a big part of who we are. Right. Um, Nick, I don't know anything about hunting. I know that most of the time when you go hunting, it's cold and that's what's kept me from hunting. But I want you to, I, I feel like someone like you has a, has a probably like a myriad of good hunting stories. What's your best hunting story? Give me something from it. So a tale from like Sonora, Mexico, dude. <laughs> um, hunting is close, dear to my heart. And the reason, there's a few reasons for it. First, it brings me closer to my, my friends mainly. That's one of the main reasons. It's time to spend it, spend also out in wilderness where I can, uh, kind of be with myself, honestly, and like reflect and disconnect. And then third is it is, it is really, really, really hard. Um, mentally it's hard because you, it's, you struggle and other parts it's the weather and other things. So, um, we were, um, I was in the back country of, um, Wyoming and we were hunting and we, we had harvested an animal and we were back there and we built a fire cause it was snowing and it was, well, it was, it was in end of September and it was like crazy snow. We were like probably 13 miles back in the back country and we were in this dark hole and we built a fire. We were, we were taking care of the animal and, um, putting on horses and everything. The horses started to freak out. We're like, what is going on? We get back, get back in. We're like frozen. We get back on the horses, go back and come out and we come across and there was grizzly bear tracks going across our tracks. Um, and then, um, we were probably like three or four miles back in that specific Canyon and probably eight back to the, to the, um, tent and it was freezing cold. 
And I was tired, really tired because we'd been out all day. We'd probably gone almost uh, probably 15, 20 miles that day. And I remember being probably a quarter mile back in the dark with no headlamp. And I know that grizzly bear is behind me. And my Dude, horse is like, I'm terrifying. Sl- <laughs> I'm slopping. They're just like dug a dark abyss behind you and a grizzly yeah. bear somewhere in it. Holy crap. Well, it's just there, I was going right? to talk about how supportive we, we, of your hunting I am, but I don't know. Oh. And so we were, we were, we were ba- I was back and I was about a quarter mile back and no one was there. And my horse started stepping on my back of my feet because I was so tired and I was just like in the mud. And I, I remember that there's just no choice to go back. It's just all forward because if I, do, if I don't, I might become dinner. And um, we ended up getting back around one in the morning. And so those are the moments. That's probably my favorite part of hunting I've ever had is that day. And I wasn't even part of the hunting experience. It was just because I went through something that tested me and um, helped me to, you know, just gain perspective and to grow. So, dude, you're like a, you're reminds like a me of the time, man. I know. It reminds <laughs> me of the time Ty killed a snake with a shovel in his backyard. No, I missed. I tried <laughs> to kill a snake with a telescoping pool uh, skimmer. And it got away. If that's the time you're talking about, I love that Nick's. Yeah. I love that Nick's best hunting story is the time where he was being hunted by a grizzly bear. Dude. Mm-hmm. That's uh, amazing. It's interesting. I was uh, I was on the peninsula of Alaska in October, um, and I was I was out hunting for ten days with one guy by myself. Flew flowing on a plane, dropped off, and I remember like day three into it, just being there, just looking through binoculars for days on end. And it was interesting to me because one of the things that started to happen, this might kind of sound kind of weird, but just going to share with you, be vulnerable, is I started to almost like kind of like ground with the earth where it was, it was like I started to feel the peace and the calm and everything, all the distractions and everything went away. And I started to just kind of realize what was important. And the only thing that I could really think of, it wasn't anything but my family. It was just that. I just remember how important it was to me. And, and so those are the types of moments where you, you can get away and um, like thousands of miles from any like civilization is crazy. So anyway, those are those, that, those are the types of memories I, I, I love and I want to experience the world. And that's what I love about this job is it allows me to do stuff like that. I was going to say, that's the reason that I'm supportive of your hunting. Cause I remember when you came back from that trip and you had all these like amazing ideas and like perspective you're like dude i've been walking around in alaska kind of by myself for like 10 days and i had some thoughts and they were awesome yeah you know yeah it's like the beatles you know the beatles led zeppelin i mean these guys all do hallucinogenic drugs nick goes (laughs) hunting you know he goes spends days in the wilderness by himself yeah one of the things i've been struggling with the last couple years is actually kind of like um how would i say it just getting away from myself and the stress of life like we all feel it. It's like so heavy. Sometimes you're like, how do I take care of my life? My everything. And, um, so this, this year I really have focused on a couple things that have really been helping me. Um, one is I focus on like the three or four things in my life that in, in areas like finance and spiritual and physical. And I focus on the one thing that would make the biggest impact in that part of my life. And I, and I track that on a daily basis. And, um, that's made a big impact. Another thing that I've been doing, that's how I told you about this, but it's, uh, I, one of my goals was to write my journal and I write my journal every day. And it's something I haven't done for years. And the reason is I want to, it goes back to my, 
Amazing. It's it's life changing. Just, like that that single yeah. thing has changed my life over the last three years more than any other thing. Yeah, it's it's. I want to leave something to my 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 kids and the people in the, in the in the future of like this is what happened and this is how dad or grandpa reacted to it because it's super impactful. Um, and I want also my girls to be able to look through that journal and see them them in that journal and how much their dad loved them. And Ty, you kind of talked about that too, but it's just like, it's like, did dad love me? Oh, heck yeah. He loved me. He, he thought about me and was writing about me even when I wasn't thinking about it, you know? And so I think that yeah. that's something I've really liked. And lastly, um, I've been into TM, which is transcendental meditation. And, um, one of the things I've really struggled with, you're really struggling with like just getting away from stress in your life. And like, like, how would you say it? They, they kind of talk about like the waves on the, in the ocean that it's like just chaos, but 50 feet underneath, it's just pure calmness. It's being able to kind of find that it's like an ancient way of, of, uh, of meditating that I found really, really impactful for me. So I'll meditate two times, 20 minutes a day. And so that's something I think has really helped me because I've had a really hard time with the stresses of all the people I'm serving, making sure they're taken care of and also just having success weighs on me. And that, that's, those are some things that I've really started to focus on is like, how do I focus, make sure I'm doing everything correct and that I'm have a release so that then I can expand and, and be um, something more for, for, for everyone else and have what I think what's given me is capacity. I think sometimes we lack capacity to help other people. And I think just focusing on yourself and those types of things, I hope what it could, you know, what's done for me is giving me more capacity and you see people that have the capacity to help others and people that don't. And I think the main thing that if you want to gain capacity is to care of your stuff first, figure out yourself, know yourself first, um, focus on the basics and that will, it will expand. Your influence will expand with others. I think it's Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn had a quote that said something to the effect of, uh, you know, in a relationship, the most helpful thing you can do for me is take care of yourself. Right. Like it's that like, cause once you're good, like imagine Nick Hansen after 20 minutes of TM, after journaling, after reading your Holy writ, like you do every day and then emerging from that office, what you're capable of. Right. And what, I mean, the morning routine, what does it take? 30, 40 minutes? I don't know. Right. But I think that's a really, yeah. really important thing that when people are, this job is a lot, it demands a lot. It's really fast paced. And, you know, when you're that close to rejection and emotion and human interaction with actual energy, like, dude, some of it penetrates and it gets in. Right. And I think if there's one thing that to take away from this man, like your ability to handle yourself, even the calm with which you speak now, I mean, a couple of the businesses we mentioned in your intro are not in business anymore, or they're, they've chosen different paths. And, you know, talk about like the chaos of the ocean. You've been able to just kind of maintain in that calm spot. I don't know if you always have, but it certainly seems like it now. And I think if there's one thing that our listeners can glean from, from our conversation with you, it's that ability to maintain perspective, to learn from every experience and to grow through it because you seem, dude, you seem, you seem happy. You seem content, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it, it's just the realize that the struggle is the reason why you're going to succeed in the future. Um, Ryan Holiday writes a book called The Obstacle is the Way. He's one of my favorite authors. And it just talks about how basically the obstacle that you see that struggle becomes the way. It becomes the reason why you, you succeed in life. And it, it molds you and helps you to become more. 
And so I think it's just really, it's just kind of how I, I see it is like, yeah, COVID. Yeah, it's a chink in our armor, but I'll tell you what, the Vivint Solar guys, we, we are figuring it out and we're solving that chink in our armor. So if this thing comes back in the fall, we're going to kick its ass. We're going to kick its behind. Sorry, I almost swore. <laughs> kind of get a little bit crazy. But I think it's just like, how do you do that? <laughs> right? How do you crazy. now become? Yeah, crazy. Coast is so showing. just how do you? Yeah, my, my mom might uh, see this and so better not say that word. Um, so, but yeah, I think it's just important to just understand that. Yeah. And I think the other thing is just you, when you're kind of taking care of your own, you in a daily basis as a leader, you, you have to be in the, in, in the field, like we're talking about, but then you, if by doing this things like meditating, reading Holy writ, it helps you to elevate and see things at a different level so that you're able to see things other people aren't able to see. And I think that's important for us as, as, as individuals Nick, to uh, note to ourselves. Nick, you've mentioned your girls a handful of times on the, on the interviews so far. Um, I hope you're comfortable kind of talking about it, but I know that um, having kids was something that was really challenging for you and your wife. The, if you feel comfortable kind of diving into that, maybe a little bit, but more importantly, I think um, one of the hardest parts about this job is being able to compartmentalize your emotions of just life happening sometimes, um, then being able to still go out knock on a door, be composed, seem like you're unflappable, confident when, like you said, at the top of the ocean, there's all kinds of waves going on. But on the door, you need to be 50 feet under, calm, cool, confident, collected, right? And so I know you've had some really challenging times throughout your life. Um, If you could maybe just kind of share some of those challenging times, how you're able to compartmentalize and still just function at a really high successful level during that time. And if you have any things that, you know, mental things that you do, or is it just something that you think's inside of you or, you know, how are you able to do it? I think um, just for, for some of you that may not know me very well, um, Stacy and I had a hard time having kids and, all of our kids, we had to do in vitro. We had did it six times and we had miscarriage in that time. And it was one of the most trying times of our life. And as I've kind of talked about crucibles, this is, if I look back on my life, that, that was one of the hardest crucibles. Um, and I remember distinctly getting mad and saying, why us? I remember knocking a door during this, this situation where we weren't able to have kids and seeing someone that had kids that was basically in poverty and to say, why wouldn't we be blessed with kids? And I remember um, my wife and I going to a, a place and we, it was one time when we just found out that we weren't pregnant and it was like the second or third time. And it was like devastating. And uh, we, we saw a, a family and they had like a, probably a 40 year old guy in this moment. Right. And he was a 40 year old guy. Um, and he was in a wheelchair, completely incapacitated. And I remember in that moment, that lesson that I learned was just like, I, I don't think I've ever told anyone this. So I'm like, take telling the world, but um, I just realized what I learned from that moment was that I need to be grateful for what I have and um, be there 
And, and so I think it's just those moments that you, you go through that you then use those moments in the future to realize I can get through really hard stuff situations. Um, I was in a company that went bankrupt and we transitioned, um, transitioned the whole sales force over and we, we succeeded. Um, and so in those moments, um, I think it's just, it's, it, it, it is really, really hard to fake it in that moment. You are, um, it's baked real leadership. A lot of le real leadership is just baked. The leader just doesn't just show up. They're already there and they've already figured out. They've already, they already have seen it. They know they have the confidence that other people don't because they've already walked on that path I've talked about. And I think that just drawing on those past experiences, Adam, and, and saying, you know, I can do this and I can help a lot of people because I've already been blessed with a situation where I've been through it and I know I can get through this one. This is, this is nothing compared to what I've gone through in the past and then um, utilizing it. One of the hard things I, I struggle with, and it's one of the things that I try to do best with my family um, Adam to that's helped me the most as far as compartmentalizing work is one of my goals of my relationships is, and I'm not the best at it by any means, but I try. Um, one of the things is that at a specific time in the day, I put away my phone because that for some reason allows me to kind of disconnect and just be all in with my family. Um, so that really helps uh, me to kind of compartmentalize. Um, and then I think it's just from experience too, to realize that people are capable that we work with. And they can get stuff done, even though we're not always there hovering and, and helping them. So just giving them the, the space. I know you're big on leadership development. And that's one of the things that you're passionate about is, you know, working with young up and coming guys. And almost it almost feels like a give back to, you know, what you've had the opportunity to do in the industry and in your career. Um, and I've also noticed that you're very principle centered. So it's like this foundation. Whenever I've seen you give trainings on leadership development, it, uh, I'm imagining a pyramid and base always seems to be uh, some core principles. And you mentioned gratitude. Um, what are some of those other core principles that you feel are just foundational to strong leadership development? And then why are you also focused on those sorts of things as the, as the base. So one of the things that, that is really important with principles in just trying to have principle based and be pr principle based is I found it just gives me a foundation of where to start, where chaos and everything is going nuts. I can always go back to the, the very basics of the principles. Um, as far as basics for, I think for leadership development, um, I think the guys need to be hungry um, and, and leader and, and um, launching a leadership revolution. He talks about three H's being hungry, being honorable, which is teachable and honorable. And I think we've talked about some of those today. I think humility is a big part of it. And that comes back to be being um, honorable and honorable. It kind of keeps you in check when you're, when you kind of, um, so I think those are some of the main ones that you gotta be, you gotta want it. You need to be able to be teachable in any moment, even though you think you're really good, you need to be teachable. Um, 
And then you need to be honorable, which your character kind of keeps you intact in so that you can continually go forward. I think those are some of the, and then obviously humility is part of it. Um, and then um, you got to be honest, like trust. Trust is huge. Um, takes forever to build trust. And then it takes a second to destroy it. And I think it goes back to leading from the front. It goes back to be being competent. Stephen M. R. Covey talks about that in uh, Speed of Trust, that it's competence and character are the components of trust. And I think it's really important that we're continuously being competent, but then our character also backs that up as well. So I think if you have those things and, and then you're able to have a like a just a a crazy work ethic, no one will ever dispute you as a as a leader as if you're willing to outwork them. Can I offer you a value that may or may not make it into your pyramid? It may or may not, but can I can I propose it to you and see if you want to receive it? I'm sure. The word is Absolutely. the word is gratitude. The word is gratitude. Because oh, yeah. Nick, dude, I, yeah. Nick started a region called Grit. I've always loved the name. Grit, man, it's just freaking like raw, like true, authentic leadership. But you're one of the most grateful people, dude. You got gratitude, man. That's what you got. I might I might tag it on your on your on your gravestone if Stacy doesn't let it actually be on there. I might do it with like a <laughs> like a paint pen someday. <laughs> hey Nick, hey, well, Nick we got to get before you man. before you Hey, before you ask the before you wrap it up, Ty, to give you an example of how influential Nick um the grit uh you know just emblem and what it stands for is you can see his hat behind him, that grit hat. We yeah, have a rep dude. who literally got that tattooed on his body a logo that nick made up <laughs> and uh gave a training on you know what it means to be a part of grit and you know what it stands for and represents and all the rest and the kid went out and got it tattooed on his body like that is nothing i've ever heard of anyone else being able to do so pretty pretty insane that fact al- that stands alone man that stands alone. Well, Nick, dude, we uh, we love you a ton, man. Thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate uh, the principles that you've shared today, and honestly, just all that you've done. Everybody that's listening to this, you know, we have more people that listen to this than than work at this company, and a lot of them are in our industry somewhere. And I think everybody has a lot to uh, lot to offer by way of thanks to you, Nick, for for your, your your fingerprint is is widely felt across the industry. So. Thanks for the hustle. Thanks for the example. And everybody else, thanks for joining us. This has been another episode of Electric People. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.